today on Real Radio. I don't need to see stuff happen to believe in God. I believe in him. If he desires to do nothing else in the rest of my life, I know that he's God. I don't need to see a miracle. But listen, I believe that in the Christian life, there should be some mark of supernaturality, if that's even a word, where God is moving and we can't explain it. Welcome to Real Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's Word, the Bible. On today's edition of Real Radio, Pastor Jack continues his series called Anchored, a study in 1 Peter, with a message called The Christian Life, Part 3. You know, the Apostle Peter was one of the 12 disciples, and he later became the leader of the first church. There were times when Peter failed the Lord, that's true, but he learned that through Christ, he could have joy, even in the midst of failure and the pain that it caused. In part two, Peter told us there's only one God and one mediator between God and man, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was God in the flesh who offered himself freely to die on the cross in our place. Now, as followers of Christ, we can experience his love on a personal level and love others with the love that he has shown to us. So today on day one of this message, Pastor Jack tells us that the Christian life is not only a life of love, but a life that wants to obey the Lord. The Holy Spirit's power is inside of us, and we have that awesome assurance that we're going to heaven. This unbelieving world in which we live calls it insane, but we know the truth. And the truth has set us free from our disobedient culture. And now in his message called The Christian Life, Part 3, here's pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs. Father, we ask, Lord, now that you would continue to inhabit the worship, the praises of we, your people. We've worshiped in song, in assembly, and we worship in the word. So, Father, we ask you now, and God, I pray that you'd set your presence here in such a way that what is said today would be from you. May nothing be said that is not from you. And Father, that you'd give all of us, even a non-believer that might be here today, somebody who is outside the kingdom today, that you would, frankly, Lord, hold them in their seat and speak to them. And may they experience today your love. And for those of us who are your children, that you would, Lord, embrace us with your light your correction, your encouragement. But Father, in all things, we pray that Jesus would be exalted and all God's people said, amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. And as I mentioned, we're looking at this now third installment of this message, The Christian Life. And if you were to find yourself somehow deserted, abandoned, alone, in some place or on a deserted island for that matter, no one else around you, nothing else but the Bible. If you were to pick it up and you'd begin reading from Genesis to Malachi, then Matthew to Revelation, you would find without any Bible teacher, without any commentator, without any external source, you would discover that there's a profound division between the book, that there's two epic revelations of truth. For example, the Old Testament would be shouting at you that God created all things, that God is good, and that he created paradise. 
and that he placed Adam and Eve there. And you would find out that they fellowshiped with God. He loved them. They loved him. They walked with one another. Can you imagine that? The Bible says that they walked in the garden together. How in the world did that happen? But it happened. And uh, you would be reading that, and then you would find out that Adam and Eve sinned against God, and that the first few chapters of the Bible is all about God's creation and God's interaction with Adam and Eve, and then you find out the entire rest of the Bible is all about God's redemptive work to get them back into right fellowship with himself. But as you would read on in the Old Testament, you would come to these profound statements of God making sacrifice, calling for sacrifice, trying to keep open the door of communication between a lost world and an eternal holy God. And then you would come to the New Testament, and you might scratch your head a little bit as you begin to read in Matthew about all the genealogies, and you might be wondering, what does all this mean? Until you would come to this one who was to be born in Bethlehem. And as for the first time you're reading the Bible, you'd find out that the New Testament is the actual fulfillment of everything that was promised in the Old. That what you read in God's Old or First Revelation is now consummated in God's last or New Testament revelation. The Bible is seamlessly woven together. Peter today, in our study, is going to quote from the prophet Isaiah. Peter would have known the scriptures. But now Peter is talking about the Christian life, and he's been doing that with us for quite a few weeks now. But when we talk about the Christian life, what are we speaking about? Because you can't read the Bible, Old and New Testament, without coming to this profound conclusion that God is supernatural, that God dwells outside of our world, that he's altogether holy, and that God is other than a human. Thank God for that. The Bible says that it was a big deal for him to become a human being for us. He took on himself the form, the shape, the very person of a human, because God is not a human. God is spirit. And the Bible says that those that worship God must do so in spirit and in truth. But in our lost condition, we're far from God. If you and I do not know God, how can we worship God? And yet down deep inside of every one of us, there's this passion to worship or to have a spiritual void filled. Even if you're an unbeliever today, the Bible says something about you. It says that you are created in the image of God. The Bible says that you actually long to worship. All of us worship someone or something. You were designed to worship. But the Bible makes it clear that we were designed to worship God. And as we consider the Christian life, before we get into this study today, and as Peter really begins to dial down on now uh, the life of the Christian, it just caused me to think something about what he's speaking about. He's talking about the, the believers who are running for their lives in the Roman Empire in the first century. And you got to wonder what was going on in their minds. They had learned that the God that rules heaven and earth is the God that they worship. But then why were they nomads and as it were living a fugitive lifestyle because the empire was persecuting them to death? And yet they didn't give up. They hung on to God. Boy, I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I, I'm okay with some heat as long as it's humid. I got to have humidity when it's hot. I want it sticky, drippy hot. The other day, was it Friday? The humidity began to drop and the temperature began to rise. 
and records were set all up and down the west coast of the United States. And in our own regions, records were set. I think Chino Hills hit 114. Uh, my secretary, Robin, said that in Claremont or Upland, where she lives, it was 115. It's a pretty crazy day when it's hotter here than it is in Phoenix. But how many of you are Christians this morning? Raise your hand. That's as hot as it gets for us. <laughs> Doesn't get any hotter than that. I am certain now that heaven is about 74 degrees. And I trust that it's balmy there as well. But I got to tell you, Friday was hot and low humidity and I didn't like it. But thank God for Saturday. I think it said on my app, on my phone, it said that it's going to be considerably cooler today, only 103. <laughs> and uh, the humidity was really high. In fact, it rained in some areas here in the Southland and I just stood outside and loved it. But I see the glory of God in all of that, even though it's fallen, this world has fallen under the grip of sin, the Bible says. But even in those great clouds, if you looked west and north, there are these awesome, great uh, thunderheads. I learned in my aviation ground school, they were cumulonimbus clouds. And uh, that means hail rides in that cloud. And it's mighty and it's powerful. And I thought about the scripture that says, he makes, he makes the clouds his chariot. God. If that's our God and he is, and we are Christians, and we are, shouldn't there be some sort of a supernatural existence to our lives as believers? Isn't that what we see in the book of Acts, that there is a supernatural conduct and activity to the first century believers? I don't know about you, but don't you long, don't you, don't you long to see God move something in that fashion? I mean, I don't need to see stuff happen to believe in God. I believe in him. If he desires to do nothing else in the rest of my life, I know that he's God. I don't need to see a miracle. But listen, I believe that in the Christian life, there should be some mark of supernaturality, if that's even a word, where God is moving and we can't explain it. He is God and he's redeemed us from our sins and we are in a lost and lonely world and there should be something that marks us out from the rest of the world. And, and, and listen, I'm not gonna let that leave my thinking. It's a passion of my heart and it may be there until the day that I die, but nobody can take it from me. I wanna see God move. And God would shout back out of that cloud or right up out of the pages of our Bibles this morning and say, I wanna move too. So church at Chino Hills, get out of the way. I want to move. Jack, get out of the way. I want to move. Because if God has forgiven us of our sins and has delivered us from a life of destruction, ought we not to expect God to be doing more and more now through us? I believe that. And Peter is going to be talking about this incredible, awesome, divine love that should mark the Christian life. I got to tell you right now, don't raise your hand. It will intimidate me. But if you're visiting for the first time, God bless you. I'm glad you're here. Don't raise your hand. Why? Because I want to convince myself I'm only speaking to people that I know here and now because where we're going right now in this message is not for the faint of heart. The temptation might be for some of you to get up and bolt out of this building because you won't like what you're hearing. I'm going to ask you to man up or woman up and listen and hang on because God desires that you know his love and his love transcends any sin that we could have ever committed in this life. Whatever guilt or shame that might be harboring over you and condemning you, God says today, 
Listen, through Christ Jesus, my son at the cross, I want to break that grip that's on your life. And to the Christian, God is going to say to us, remember what you've been delivered from. Why? Because we have a Christian life to live. The first thing that we see here is in verse 22. The Christian life, excuse my grammar, but deals with love. And love loves to obey. Can you write that down? This is the Christian life that we're to be living as we march through this. The third study today in this topic is that love should characterize supernaturally our lives and that love that we have ought to obey, ought to obey God. He says in verse 22, since, you should circle that word since, it's a profound word because some of your Bibles say it's happened, it's a done deal. We would say in our modern tongue, it's a done deal. You have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Notice, through the Holy Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. A lot of great and powerful words. The word since here, since you have purified your souls, mark this down. To obey is to know the truth, Christian. For us to obey is to know the truth. You cannot obey God without knowing his truth. You, can, you don't know what to do. But Peter helps us. Since you have purified your souls, you need to mark that because it could lead you to a misunderstanding. You cannot purify your soul. How can a, a flawed soul, by the way, that's the Greek word suke, you know this, where we get our word psychology, how can a flawed way of thinking become unflawed? You, you know, in, in logic, you took this in school, in logic, you know that that's not true. Something that is polluted cannot become unpolluted unless there's an external source that purifies it. Are you with me, everybody? If you are somehow tainted, you cannot become untainted by any self-reformation. That's why it's funny, ridiculous, almost comical for us to swear an oath to a New Year's Day resolution. They don't work. You know why they don't work? Because number one, they're usually grand in scope. Good for you. Set the, set the record high. Good for you. Make it a big one. The problem is you and I cannot fulfill it because what you and I on New Year's Eve are desiring to get away from is something that is usually bigger than us because it has control of us. At least we've allowed it to control us. And so we, we get a, a, a pact with a friend or we, you know, prick our fingers with each other and have a little blood oath that I will no longer again eat, you know, three hamburgers a day from this time on and you have your thing and you get it. And the problem is you lack power to do it. And so when the Bible here is saying that you have purified your souls, the truth about this is, is that God has done it. He's not saying you go do it. Peter is saying since it's happened, it's a reality that has happened to you. This is what every true Christian has in common, is that our soul has been purified by the work of God. And so somebody might ask the question, but how does this happen? Let me give you this verse uh, to get started in Psalm 14, verse 3. Psalm 14, verse 3 says, this is where you and I start. Psalm 14, 3 says, they have all turned aside. This is speaking about humanity. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good, no, not one. You might recognize that from the book of Romans. It's true. The Bible says that all of humanity, all of us, is sold under this uh, slavery we saw last week of sin. We cannot purify ourselves because we are impure. Friend, listen, I'm not here to attack you. I include myself, one another. We're all in this together. If today the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you, 
you feel this sting of conviction. It's, it's a work of God. Uh, it's as though you're in a room of several thousand people, you'll feel like you're the only one here. That's not the work of man, that's the work of the Spirit of God. And you'll feel like God is speaking directly to you. I have to tell you this up front. The Bible says all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God is perfect, we are not. And if we're honest, we can confess that of our own selves, even of our own thoughts. But God would have us to obey the truth. So the Bible sets the mark right then and there. We all need God. We have, we're all corrupt, says the Bible. Now I'm going to ask you to mark this down and listen carefully. This will take a bulk of our time by design. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Listen to this. The Bible says, now I say the Bible says, why? Because the Bible says, <laughs> I don't want you to get lost in the fact that you're hearing my voice, but I'm quoting his word. Don't delete the message because of the messenger. The Bible says, and listen carefully, don't get up and run. Even if your hair catches fire, don't leave. Just wait. Just wait. Do you not know? The word in Greek's emphatic. It means we would say today, everybody knows this. That the unrighteous, the unrighteous are the imperfect. Those that are not only imperfect, they're non-perfect. It's exactly what Psalm 14 was saying. Those of us who are humans, the Bible says, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Just stop right there. There is no way on God's green earth that you and I are going to make it to heaven on our own. You and I cannot reform ourselves. We cannot purify ourselves. We cannot get from A to Z where we're at. There's no road. There's no trek. There's no track. There's no course, according to the Bible, that mankind is hopelessly lost in his sin. And so the Bible announces, do you not uh, know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Again, if some of you have a Greek Bible that says stop being deceived, it means that you and I are prone to deceiving ourselves. The Bible says stop it. What does that mean to us today in the 21st century? It means that God is not swayed by political correctness. God doesn't lick his finger and test the breeze to see which way he ought to be going to keep up in the pole of popular opinion. Ladies and gentlemen, God is God and he bows to no opinion. He's eternal, he's true, he's life and love and he's your only route of forgiveness. No man, no pope, no priest, no pastor can issue forgiveness to you. Only God alone. And his son died on the cross, absolute perfection. God made human flesh, died in your place to get you into heaven. And listen, with all due respect, God is not going to waste the death of his son because somebody holds to some per political persuasion or conventional wisdom. Are you with me? Notice what the Bible says to us today and to all generations. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators. You know what a fornicator is? The word, by the way, pornea, pornea, is where we get the word porn. It means any sexual immorality. It's a broad 
description, any sexual immorality. You say, well, what's that? Well, listen, I'm not going to sit here and parse it out. I've only got 55 minutes. I'll tell you this, or I'll ask you this. Anything that needs to be repented of regarding the sexual nature is this sexual immorality. Does it need to be repented of? Did Jesus Christ die for it? Then it needs to be addressed in our lives. Without batting an eye, without apology, God lays it out. No fornicators are going to enter the kingdom of heaven. This also means, of course, sex outside of marriage. Any form. Sex outside of marriage. I literally remember some years ago, a couple uh, saying in marital counseling, premarital counseling, you know, it's fantastic. When you ask in premarital counseling, because you want to get them on the right course, So you ask them, okay, you guys are going to get married. You're engaged. Yes. Okay. Here's our first meeting. Here's what we do. We got to go through this thing. And then here's all the wonderful curriculum that you're going to learn about one another. But we have to ask you a question. Listen, um, if you're not, if you're not sexually pure, we're going to ask you now for the next six months to to be sexually pure because you want to get ready. And you never ask that of the guy. You never look at the guy and say, are you guys being sexually pure? The guy goes, yeah, dude, right on. Awesome. (laughs) Absolutely. You never ask him. You always ask her, and she goes. <laughs> she doesn't say a word. She just goes down like this. And you say, okay, listen, listen. God will forgive you of that. Let's pick up the pieces. And from this forward, from this moment on, let's march on to a glorious day for your wedding. But listen, when two people that are single, and what, what their argument was, well, we don't touch each other. We just look at each other across the room. This is the word that falls under fornication. Sexual impurity. The Bible says if this is your lifestyle of practice, you're not going to heaven. The word idol, worshiper, idolater, what is that? It means that you seek after material things to gain status or identity. You view yourself as somehow deficient unless you have things. You've got to have this or that. You know the old saying, keeping up with the Joneses? Anybody remember that? Anyone? Anyone? That, it would be that. What, why? What, what is that? It's because there's something on the throne of your life in place of God that you're seeking identity. You see, the Christian life is a Christian that finds his identity in Christ. I'm imperfect. He's perfect. I'm fallen. He's not fallen. I am unholy. He's holy. I'm waiting for the ultimate redemption of me in totality, the day that I die or the day that Christ comes for me. Pastor and Bible teacher Jack Hibbs, here on Real Radio, in a message called The Christian Life, Part 3. We're so glad you joined us today. And you know, our prayer is that you feed your soul with the good things of God so that you're not only satisfied, but you're renewed. The Christian Life, Part 3. It's part of Pastor Jack's series called Anchored, A Study in 1 Peter. It's a series that takes us through the life and times of the Apostle Peter, whose love for Jesus Christ carried him through great persecution and whose compassion for others still inspires us today. And we'll continue on the next edition of Real Radio. You know, Peter, in his letters to the church, urged his fellow Christians to keep on learning and growing in the faith, in spite of their suffering and pain. Unlike today, however, resources were scarce. Still, they persevered, and Christ followers were growing in both strength and numbers. And now, in today's world, there's really no limit of ways to access quality material on Christian living, including Pastor Jack's website. Now, when you go to reallifewithjackhibbs.org, click on that media icon, 
You'll find not only real radio episodes, but real-life podcasts, real-life TV, real-life basics for Christian growth, and even news updates. You're going to like all that. You'll also find specific studies from the books of the Bible and so much more. So head over to that website called reallifewithjackhibbs.org. Click on the media tab. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. Our phone number, if you should need it, is 877-RR-RADIO. That's 877-777-2346. Also, the address, P.O. Box 1273, Chino Hills, California, 91709. This program is made possible by the generous contributions of you, our listeners. Visit us at reallifewithjackhibbs.org. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. I'm David J. Until next time, Pastor Jack Hibbs and all of us here at Real Radio wish for you solid and steady growth in Christ and in His Word. We'll see you next time here on Real Radio.